0: Hi, Aiden Henry. Let's talk about Madonna. While very meaningful to the queer generations ahead of us, by the time I was in high school slash college, she was fully in her flop era. Although my gay male friends were into the disco of confessions on a dance floor, it did nothing for me. I was more of an LCD sound system insufferable gay, so while I remember seeing the behind the music on VH1 on TV as a child, she never held the cultural cachet she did for Gen X, although I did wear out the Avita movie soundtrack when I was like 11. That's not really the lasting legacy we're talking about today. And that's also another story for another episode. She was more of an icon to me growing up, an untouchable part of an inaccessible past like The Beatles or Hollywood in the 30s. The music was past its prime, but her image lasts forever. So, why is it trans, Katie? While it's hard to pinpoint, the East Village, the costumes, the whole aesthetic all scream queer, what makes it trans for me is the relationship between these two women who don't meet until the last ten minutes of the movie. We've discussed the inherent transness of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl before, and this is the story where the Dream Girl isn't someone who's trying to be attained by a man, but the goal of another woman. It comes down to envy for me and the idea that there's this woman trapped in an existence with bad clothes, and meeting one fabulous woman unlocks her soul, letting her self-actualize and become a different person and love herself and live in the village before it became too expensive. And I think many of us can relate to that.
1: I'm Henry Jardina. I'm a writer, a critic, and a trans guy. My pronouns are he,
2: they. I am Ada Rhodes Short, an activist, robot brain scientist, and queer trans woman whose pronouns are she, her.
0: I am Katie Coleman, a playwright and composer, a queer trans woman, and my pronouns are she, her.
1: This is Totally Trans, searching for the trans canon, where we talk about some of the most well-known figures from film, literature, and
0: media,
2: and tell you why we think they deserve to be part of the trans cultural canon.
0: This week, I'm going to tell you both why Roberta and Susan, from Desperately Seeking Susan, are totally trans. So Susan Seidelman. Seidelman? Seidelman? Didn't look it up. Her movie Smithereens is a classic, a micro-budget indie shot in the shitty clubs and streets of early 80s New York, and it really captures the punk aesthetic of the time. It was the first American indie to be admitted for competition at Cannes, and three years later, she had what another podcast would call a Blank Check, and desperately seeking Susan cashed it in. It was 1984, and Madonna had a few modest dance hits in Holiday, Lucky Star, and Borderline, but she was definitely not Madonna. Not yet. Seidelman knew her from her reputation as the queen of new wave spot, danceateria, and that was the vibe she was looking for in this new film. She had to fight to get her, and she was soon exonerated because Like a Virgin came out in the middle of filming, and she became a superstar. Apparently, no one cared about her when they started filming, and by the time they finished... They had to hire round-the-clock security to keep the fans from mobbing her on the set.
2: As far as the plot itself goes, it's a classic amnesia-slash-mistaken-identity situation. Basically Shakespeare. We meet Roberta, played by Roséna Arquette, a sad sack housewife, married to the Spa King of New Jersey, and from the beginning, see that she's seeking something. The first shot we see is the waxing of a leg, immediately we're surrounded by 1980s hyper-femininity. We're listening to duop and scrolling missed connections on Lex, I mean, the newspaper.
0: Not so different from my life now.
1: She's looking for a job, something to do with her life, a way out of the house, and we assume, her husband. Because the stylist says about her hair, her husband will love it, and we see her reaction. She's not doing this for him, she's doing it for her, but these people don't understand that.
0: She's obsessed with the personal ads, especially one regular occupancy in their pages, Susan. Susan, who seems to have a spectacular life, going from city to city. She has a man in every town, and she's the one who makes the rules. You might say these men are chasing her.
2: Desperate. I love that word. It's so romantic, says Roberta. Her friend responds with, everyone I know is desperate except you, alluding to the lack of romance in Roberta's own life. But of course, Roberta is just a different kind of desperate. She's desperate for a different life.
1: And then the plot starts moving, and it's kind of complicated. So without getting too bogged down into the intricacies of it, it goes like this. Susan, who we first see taking a selfie with a Polaroid, is moving on from a week's long stay in New Jersey as a mobster's mall. She picks his pocket when she slips out the door, grabbing some cash and some fancy gold earrings. Unbeknownst to her, of course, the earrings are ancient Egyptian artifacts stolen from the Met, and the mobster gets thrown out the window right after she leaves. She locks her suitcase in a Port Authority bus locker and moves on to her next fling. And the look is everything.
0: Roberta stalks Susan, that's right, from her meeting advertised in the personals, to Love Saves the Day, a boutique that was still a fixture in the village when I was there. She trades her rad jacket for some new boots, and Roberta buys it immediately, along with the key to the locker with all Susan's stuff.
2: And here's where it gets ridiculous. Roberta takes out an ad to give Susan her key back. But when she's supposed to go there, she gets attacked by a mobster who thinks she's Susan. Susan. Then she's saved by Dez, a friend of Susan's recent boy, Jim, who saw Roberta's ad and asked him to check on Susan and make sure she wasn't cheating on him.
1: Roberta gets knocked on the head, her purse goes into the river, and she gets that classic TV trope, amnesia. She doesn't remember who she is, so Dez, played by Aidan Quinn, tells her she's Susan. They go to Port Authority and get all of Susan's stuff, and she becomes, in effect, Susan.
0: And this is a liberating experience for Roberta. She's in a new city, and she's a new person. Someone without all the sadness and repression from her own life. By becoming Susan, she's really able to better become herself.
2: Some madcap adventures ensue. Mob chases, arrests for prostitution. And finally, another conk on the head that fixes the amnesia. It worked for The Lucy Show. It works here. She gets a job. Susan meets Gary, Roberta's husband, who it seems has been cheating on her for a long time. He also feels trapped in his suburban lifestyle, and Susan even helps him get out of his shell a bit. But who cares? He sucks so much, no one gives a shit about Gary.
1: And there's magic shows, and John Turturro, and Laurie Metcalf, and Stephen Wright, and a lot more.
0: And one thing that's present throughout is the female gaze. Seidelman loves to give us full-body shots. There's one in particular that stands out to me the first time we go to the Magic Club. The cigarette girl is standing by the door, and we get a slow pan up, starting from the feet and going up to the face. And while this could seem like leering, it's probably better to frame the shot as shoes-to-hair. Because the camera isn't leering, it's celebrating. Every time we see Susan or later Roberta in a new outfit, we get the same thing. The camera says... Check out this fit. And listener, they're good fits.
1: This movie is very much about the outfits, the aesthetic, the mood. It's a movie about wanting to be Madonna. And in 1985, who didn't want to be Madonna?
0: The scene at the end is very telling, I think, between Roberta and her husband. He's ready to take her home to New Jersey, adventure over.
1: Are you a lesbian?
2: Leslie told me a lot of prostitutes are lesbians. I'm not a lesbian, and I'm not a prostitute.
1: Are you a lesbian? You're not listening to me. Don't get excited. Are you on drugs?
2: Look at me. I looked at you. You look ridiculous. I mean, look at me. Look at me, Gary. I'm not coming home with you. You're just tired.
0: He refuses to see her the way she's changed, the person she's become, who he wouldn't let her be. And sadly, that's the case with some trans people as well, if it's their partner or their parents or anyone else. She gets a happy ever after, of course. It's implied she moves to the village and becomes friends with Susan and starts dating Dez, who is sweet enough in his way. In the last scene, she's at the Bleecker Street Theater, somewhere between her old terrible Jersey costumes and Susan. She's growing. She'll find her own style. We all get there eventually.
1: So should we start by talking about our relationships to Madonna. Who wants to begin? Katie?
0: Well, I mean, I talked about it in the in the scripted part. Like, my... I knew... I mean, of course, knew about Madonna as, as cultural icon. But, like, again, by the time I was, like, actively listening to pop music, Madonna was recording, like, doing covers of American Pie, you know? And, like, just... Nobody wants to listen to that. Like, my... <laughs> The thing that I loved the most from Madonna was definitely the movie soundtrack to Evita. So I'm probably not the, uh, I don't have the best, uh, the best relationship to discuss here.
2: Yeah. Um, for 80s pop stars, uh, I love Cyndi Lopter. I, I, yeah, she definitely counts as pop. Um, yeah, yeah. Big Joan Jett fan who's definitely not pop. And then, yeah, Madonna, though, I like her music, but she also, I think I was just, like, a little too young. I am definitely, like, was really into Lady Gaga, because that was what was coming out when I was in high school, and I was obsessed. Mm. And uh, you very much see that legacy, and it's an important part of it. Something I wanted to note before I forget, though, that I thought was actually really interesting, is in this movie, like Susan's outfits, you can definitely see how, like, oh, parts of these became part of, like, Madonna's aesthetic. But also a lot of it is clearly like copped from very much that like Cindy lauper style aesthetic, you know what I mean, much more like um mall rock girl, yeah it was fabricated
0: i mean it was it was a conscious decision, like she had a designer, uh Maripol, which was like a you know a downtown New York fashion designer create this look with her like when she was still. You know, the it girl at Danceteria. Like when she was starting her record, she had a record label contract. She released an album. It wasn't a huge hit, but it was still a, it was a it was a major label. You know, it was like she had money and backing and everything. And they had, they had a, a look designed for her. And that was what it was. The crucifix, the tool skirt, leggings. Lace, 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 fingerless gloves. Lace gloves. Yeah. The, um, the boxy jacket over it. Uh, rubber yes. bracelets and it's all there in that first in that first bit
2: yeah yes the bow and yeah. the hair i feel like in my head though i just like the looks i i guess associate with her are like much more like turned up if that makes sense do you know I mean mm-hmm. uh, yeah. i thought it was just interesting because in this it's like it's loud but it looks more just like a rowdy young 20 something more than like i guess in my mind pictures for madonna these days
1: well yeah madonna I mean, she has had-, had it
2: yeah
1: so oh, go ahead
0: Well, she she reinvented herself like over and over again, you know, like she had she had so many eras, you know, like when when Ray of Light came out, I was like a kid, you know, like a little kid. But I still remember, you know, seeing those those videos and everything. And that was when she reinvented herself as like an adult, you know, (laughs) like that was like, I am a serious musician now, like it's dance music, but it's I'm serious about it.
1: Yes, I, Ray of Light, me and my little friends were obsessed. I, my relationship to Madonna is, um, I love her. I, I, um, am firmly a millennial, but my older, my sister is like eight, eight and a half years older than me. So she was like prime Madonna appreciating age. And I would often watch pop-up video. Um, I off, I loved Ray of Light. I loved, um, confessions on a dance floor but i think this era of madonna is so fucking queer like this and who the who's that girl the who's that girl haircut is gay culture i'm sorry and of course Madonna is yeah. a massive appropriator we're now in an era where we're sort of tracing back to looking at the vogue video and saying you know she stole this from you know black trans yeah. folks and queens in the the ball community and like we know this but also i think her legacy is important because like she does sort of radiate queer and transness even without doing anything like in this movie, like the minute you see her just drying out her pits in like what looks like the grand central station bathroom. I'm like, this is trans culture. It's Penn station. It's even (laughs) worse. Even worse, even worse. Like outside the fucking blimpy, she's just like (laughs) making sure her pits are dry. And she's got this huge, it's kind of like, it looks like a like a drum suitcase with skulls on it. It is and a it's drum is so case. Good. Yeah. yeah, a drum case. Yeah. Right. So not even like a clothing suitcase, just a drum case with skulls on it. And like, yeah, you don't really understand like what's going on. She's just like she basically is the '80s version of Holly Golightly. Like in this movie, I literally where, have that in my notes. Yeah. That, yes. She's absolutely. Golightly. That yeah. is her legacy. Where it's like she's a good time girl. She's always on the run. She travels like. Yeah, like, men chase her. She does not – she's not looking to be tagged down. And, like, the camera is just following her in the way that Roseanne Arquette is following her. And, like, it's just a pleasure to follow her through New York because it's, like, there's a feeling, like, of, like, yeah, this woman is, like, who everyone wants to be when you move to New York and you, like, think about all the things New York can offer. And they're constantly going to, like, clearly gay clubs and, like – Sort of just like you're seeing, like, queer people, like, without their shirts on. And, like, Madonna just fits in in those yeah. environments. And it's just a fucking pleasure. I adore it. I'd
0: never seen this movie before, which is shocking. Yeah. And they shot that inside Danceteria, which was...
1: there. Yeah. There's peripheral gayness everywhere. And also there is something very queer about Roseanne Arquette's obsession with this woman who just, like, signifies this freedom... Yeah. that is exciting and it is like a bit queer
2: which i yeah. love um well and it's that thing too of like i think looking at beautiful free expression especially in like in new york city or another big city as someone living in a suburb in new jersey i think is mm. that's just queer longing right that's like mm-hmm. like homosocial queer longing um and i think that's like a very important profound thing that's presented in this Yeah, Uh, Yeah. I've got it in my notes.
0: I say alienated at a party wearing a horrible dress looking out at a New York who doesn't give a shit about you. We've all been there or at least I have.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. No, I think we've all literally been there. That's all of our our 20s. (laughs)
1: Because you can tell, too, like, Rosanna Arquette in this movie is so young. And it's like, I was shocked to learn that she was married. In the, f- I was just like, wait a minute. This is a movie where Rosanna Arquette, age, like, 24, is married. Like, that is, t- like, you can tell she just, like, got married because she- it was what she had to do. And it's, like, yeah. kind of on the cusp, I think, of, like women still sort of doing, like, the 50s pattern of, like, yeah, like, you go to school maybe and then you get married and it's just what you do. And her sort of slowly realizing, like, oh, no, I have options. I can be, like, the assistant of, like, a ridiculous magician at a club and I can wear, like, fishnets and I can wear a wig and do cool shit. Like, it's just dawning on her that, like, there are other options in life, which is beautiful.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, Well, and also, like, I think it's really interesting that she, like, when she starts following Susan through the personals and kind of, like, stalking her, the thing ways she immediately tries to emulate her are, like, aesthetic and trying to be like, I don't understand this thing that I'm looking at yet. I just know that it's a thing that appeals to me and I want to reflect it, even though I don't necessarily know what I'm communicating by reflecting it. And I think that's really interesting when she's in kind of that, like, initial amnesiac state where she's, like, keeps getting in trouble and people keep seeing her and being like, you are this thing! And her not, like, understanding she's that thing yet. And I think that's, like, a very queer experience is yeah. the idea of, like, I'm reflecting this thing that resonates with me that I don't understand why yet and I'm trying to emulate. But, like, by trying to do that, I am taboo. I'm, like, not acceptable anymore. And I think that's yeah. very fun. Yeah, as, definitely the wrong word.
0: As someone who you know for a long time thought they were a male who liked to dress as a woman for uh, uh, it's for you know various reasons. Like I totally understand that. Like there, it's there's like that in between period, you know, where like you are not sure why you're doing this, but there's it's it does something for you and it starts resonating with like other people, and that's what kind of helps you figure things out sometimes.
1: It's kind of like an eggs fantasy of like what the best case scenario of an egg cracking would be, where it's like oh,
0: sure. yeah. you basi-
1: you totally break away from like the people who are holding you back because they're wed into this old version of you. In Gary's case, literally. And like, I think what's interesting, too, is like the meta-ness of like, probably in the 80s, a lot of like baby trans girls were like, I want to be Madonna, like, yeah, like, I want that, like, I want to emulate her, because, like, that is, like, a fucking fierce, like, newly cultural acceptable type of femininity, and, like, you're basically watching these music videos and watching, like, this person sort of, like, broadcast a type of queerness that's socially acceptable, and it's, like, the idea of running away to, like, become Madonna is, like, such a, a fantasy of transition too where it's like yeah like what's actually stopping me from like being the person that I want to be like just kind of like these people in New Jersey <laughs> like that's it
2: well but also initially like when she becomes Susan she's like kind of dissociating in this way where like she's not connecting with the things that are happening mm. she's just kind of experiencing things around her mm. and I think that that's also very much how she was living her life before. Like, at the party, she wasn't connecting with the party. She was just just experiencing them. And then she's in this new state of being this person that she's always wanted to be in this abstract way. But, like, thinking, this isn't me still. Like, I don't know why, but this still isn't me. And it's not until, like, she realizes, like, oh, I am me, and I can be part of this, but I'm not this person. I'm still myself. And that's, like, exactly... That's like that baby trans girl, Your your one trajectory, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I guess probably yeah. also tr- trans men probably go through that too, is initially you're like, yeah, I'm this mm-hmm. now. And it takes you a minute to be like, oh, no, I'm more complicated than that. I am yes. me. And some of the stuff from before, maybe things I still love. And I need to sort, you need to take the time to like sort out who you are from the expectations of who you will be. And I think that... Mm-hmm. This movie kind of depicts that in this really f- weird way. Um, despite also just being a very absurd movie. Like a very patently absurd movie. Oh yeah. This is yeah. like it reminds me also a lot of some Like It Hot, which is another case of a like mm-hmm. like we're gonna put an It Girl in a movie. Yeah, it
0: yeah. um it reminds me a lot of uh Jonathan Demi's like 80s comedies, especially one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies of all time, Something Wild. And Married to the Mob. Um, And those all three of those movies came out all around the same time. And they've all got that kind of vibe. Yes.
1: True true Romance, too, has a little bit of, like...
0: I've never seen True Romance.
1: (laughs) It's, like, I feel like Patricia Arquette, uh, Melanie Griffiths, and Roseanne Arquette were all in this sort of, like, partially Manic Pixie Dream Girl mode where it was just like let's make a movie about how this girl is hot and makes impulsive decisions and then wacky shit happens yeah. which delightful but also like i think it's interesting to note that in 1985 like i think we were maybe beginning to see the origins of like what we know as the modern makeover movie where it's like Like, I guess the the John Hughes ones where it's like, we're gonna make this, like, frumpy girl, we're gonna take off her glasses and give her an outfit and, like, poof, new person, which is, like, really shitty and, like, a bad trope. But in this movie, it is, as you said, like, the female gaze is there to make sure that it's like, no, like, I want to change, like, I want to explore who I can be. Through fashion and through hair and like <laughs> through being in queer spaces in the city. And like, we don't, there aren't a lot of movies like that that are just like kind of about the power of fashion or like the life changing power of like your own style evolution because it's hard to yeah. narrativize. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, like, for that's sure. Cool. Yeah, there's, the next question is if there, I mean, I think that, like, so before you transition, did you have, like, did you have a trans idol? Did you have someone that you, like, Henry's nodding? Boy George.
1: Speaking okay. of Madonna. huh. Yeah. I love everything about Boy George because he was just, like, allowed to exist. And, like, his fashion was, it was just so maximalist and sort of messy and very clearly, like, signaling, like, beautiful woman but he was boy george (laughs) and then like all of his song lyrics are really confusing because like they're very gay and he's always talking about how he's like a man and i was as a kid i was very i'm like why are you saying you're a man when in your name there is the word boy and then you're also very clearly signaling like high femme with like the eye stuff and the lipstick and also Susie sue i think falls into this cat like i was very inspired by the eye makeup of sort of, like, previous, um, previous stars. Because, like, by the time, when I was, like, coming of age, I was very, I feel like the early 2000s were very binary and of horror, like, I love Britney Spears. I love Xtina. I love the girls. Um, I don't love the, the boys so much, but it was, like, there was such a clear di- division. It was, like, pink is for girls, blue is for, but, like, there was nothing. Whereas in the 80s and 90s, there was, like, at least, like, Ani DeFranco and, like, Madonna yeah. and Boy George. Jo- like, interest, George Michael, like, interesting queer-ish adjacent, like, makeup and, like, you know, none of that in the 2000s that I can recall.
2: And yeah, it was really great, But that was the early aughts was when Katy Perry started to, like, really get super colorful. And Katy yeah. Perry
1: was, like, homophobic. And, like, there was that You're So Gay song in one of the boys. There was I Kissed a Girl Up. It was just, like... I'm, I'm one, and it was that, like, I'm not like the other girls shit. And I was just like, I don't want this fucking shit. Like, I love Katy Perry now, but.
0: <laughs> I really
2: like fireworks. The I remember listening to fireworks. Now it's a good song. Yeah. Teenage yeah. Dream is a great album. Crying. Great album. Um, yeah, well, I think in the arts, I think, like, queer aesthetics, I think, were not welcome in the arts. Uh, I think weirdly, actually, the arts were maybe. When I look back, feel like they were much more conservative than the 90s in a lot of ways. Like, 90s sitcoms yes. and mainstream culture really pushed a lot of boundaries on, like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: representation and increasing diversity. And then I feel kind of in that, like, post-9-11 world, everything sort of backslid and everything became, like, mm-hmm. less coastal, more middle America-focused. Absolutely, more, like, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's exactly what it is, yeah. And the internet, like, you know, bringing everything together instead of it being, like, yeah, exactly. Like you said coastal. Like, instead of playing to New York and, and Los Angeles, they're playing to everybody else.
1: Right. And there was, like, Good Charlotte and, like, My chem- Like, there were, like, the boys in eyeliner kind of thing. And that was, like, I think the most transgressive that it really got. And like, I love yeah. My
2: Chemical Romance.
1: I mean, who doesn't?
2: <laughs> yeah but like like scene kids but finally i feel like scene kids weren't even like a big city phenomenon even because if you were when you'd go to new york you're like oh yeah you don't really see scene kids but then you go to a mall in like akron ohio and it's like all these scene kids mm-hmm. which is maybe actually a reflection of the fact that it's like well there's not an escape from the suburbs even in like fiction anymore because if like what are even the set su- like the sitcoms from <laughs> the Oh, I don't even remember. Anymore. Everybody loves Raymond. Even, even Stevens. Everybody loves Raymond. Oh, yeah. Um, even Stevens. Um,
1: yeah. King of Queen. Horrible. Like, horrible. awful. Yeah.
2: And then it's kind of like, I guess we start to see modern family. What was that? 2009. It was late. Yeah. T- late, late yeah. 2000s. Glee. Yeah. Oh, Glee. God. Lee was, I think, 2008. <laughs> and then that's kind of like, yeah. I think also that's when we start to see like LGBT as right. an acronym instead of gay and lesbian. Mm-hmm. it yeah. the late odds? Um, yeah, and there was
1: also there was like queerest folk. I think two thousand one, and then L Word two thousand four, and then also there was like all those super straight, like the OC, One Tree Hill, like those very CW kind shows, of yeah. Christian feeling shows.
2: Yeah, like moral moral lessons. Yeah, yeah. Seventh like Heaven, edgy cable. Oh my god, yeah, kill
1: me. Hate. I was so depressed oh. every time Seventh Heaven was on, but I did think Jessica Beale was hot. So did I watch it?
2: I did. I mean, Jessica it's an Beals objective fact that
0: Jessica Beale is hot, yeah. Like- she simply yeah.
2: is. Yeah. But that yeah. show, Kill Me. She's literally like the hottest person in her marriage, and she's married to oh. Justin Timberlake.
1: <laughs> yes. She's ex- far hotter than
2: he um, is. We're so off topic. We were talking about yeah. trans idols. Um, I don't think I had necessarily like um, a celebrity trans idol, just because I, I loved like VH1 and the like like I love the 80s. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of that like nostalgic cultural catalog like cataloging. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really fun genre, but I didn't really vibe with a lot of um a lot of like the culture at the time until like Lady Gaga started coming out mm-hmm. and it's suddenly like, oh, this pop star of the type we haven't seen for like what 20 years at that point. So, uh, kind of like the people when I was younger that I always kind of like always put a little sparkle in my eye in some way were like Jem from Jem the Holograms because mm-hmm. she's outrageous, <laughs> truly, truly That's outrageous. Um, and then Kitty Pride from the X Men, which was like my original like online gamer tag was Shadowcat until I couldn't get it anywhere anymore, and then I had to change it, and then um. Uh, Susan Calvin from the Asimov books are like these three Mm. women that I was always like, I want to be them for vague reasons that I can't articulate, but like not you know them as a girl. I definitely don't (laughs) want to be a girl. I just want to be just like Kitty Pride. I like I like her as a character, and I refuse to like examine this further. She likes computers. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) What do I? Oh, Henry, you already answered. Katie, did you answer this? No. Um, I had.
0: I, again yeah not, not they weren't trans I because I mean there was no trans representation who did I know that was trans um I mean like Boy George isn't trans either obviously but yeah um yeah Ariel from Little Mermaid was uh, when I was uh, when I was a kid like Little mermaid was my favorite movie I would you know force my cousins to play Little mermaid with me um, and then when I was like in in high school and it was um, Uh, Satine from Moulin Rouge and I think I've discussed this before mm. I had a Moulin Rouge uh period in my life Um, same same and I think a lot of that was like the drama and the theatricality and I became like very obsessed with like the bohemian like aesthetic and like you know Rent played a part of that as well but um it was uh yeah it was definitely like the tragic you know uh Entertainer uh whom everyone loved and was beautiful. That was that was mine.
2: On the topic of rent, I would like to propose to the two of you there's a neighborhood in Omaha right next to downtown. It's like right next to my neighborhood, called Little Bohemia. And Aww. we should just open up a restaurant called La Vibo. M. We should buy a building with a restaurant Absolutely. under it and apartments above it and yeah. just live that life. It's okay. Yeah. And then Let's you have out to, to see with condos
0: yeah. on the top that whose rent to keeps sing open our shop. Order.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. No, without the landlord bit, we just work in the restaurant and okay. then live in the apartments. Okay. And Sounds make good. weird art. And then, um, yeah. Love this it. This could be our... Yeah. Love, Love it. this for us. So queer, queer
0: commune, uh, eventually. I'm ready. That's my, that's my life plan. I was
1: thinking about <laughs> this today as well. I was thinking... I want to be Jack Lemon in the apartment, but instead of giving a key to sleazy assholes, I want to just have a key circulating for like trans people to crash if they need it. It's like, hmm. that's what I want to do. But I, love that. I haven't figured out the legit. I mean, obviously it's COVID, but hopefully once things. Because I do have like space. Um, this has sort of like always been the plan. I'm like, once I can afford an apartment that isn't just like a room, I want to have like a space for people. But I have to hammer nice, out
2: yeah. Yeah. those
1: details, because, yeah, like, why not, you know?
2: I used to just do that with my apartment in Corvallis, um, as someone would stay there, and then I would just go crash at 80s, yeah. which
1: was nice. It worked well. And I want to set up, like, an artist residency just for trans artists at some point. But, again, don't know how to do that.
0: Let so me know how I can apply.
1: Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes, all my friends will have the first spot
2: but yeah that sounds infeasibly expensive in la but surprisingly <laughs> yeah. affordable in omaha and we could go to all of those that's true wealthy people things and get them to give guilt money to us and be like that's true we are or- the transsexuals we just <laughs> and we have arrived
1: to show up in a bus like priscilla and be like guess what fools <laughs> yeah yeah maybe a omaha
0: the transsexuals descend on omaha nebraska yes.
1: There is the Art Barn. I don't, it, I don't know if that's in Omaha, but there's an a art, art residency that's somewhat famous, I think.
0: There's a theater like a called barn. the Blue Barn in, o- in Omaha.
2: So, is it, is it related is. to that?
1: Totally trans, searching for residencies.
2: <laughs> there's an art farm in Nebraska, but they're oh, like South Central Nebraska. Okay, yeah. yes. But yeah, the Blue Barn, great little theater. Anywho, we're very off topic again. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oops. So, uh, how are we on time? We are minutes. 36- 35 36. minutes. Oh, wow. Okay, so we have other questions as well, Brandon. Let me look at my notes. This one came together fast, y'all. Oh, something that I thought was really interesting was, like, the assumptions around her being a sex worker, which I thought was also oh, yeah. a thing that r- kind of resonated with mm-hmm. me on this weird way, where it's like, oh, you're exploring aesthetics and these depictions of femininity that are outside of, like, cis norms, And of course people make assumptions that 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 can't just be a human's choice of how they express themselves. You have to be a sex worker, which there's right. absolutely nothing wrong with, just to be clear. But also as someone who often, when I've checked into hotels, especially when I was younger, I'd have the issue of them like uh, not treating me particularly well, which they should treat me well even if I was a sex worker, but under the assumption that I was there to do sex work when it's like, I'm here for a conference... I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> no one wants to hit this right now. I'm very sweaty. Just got off of a plane. Um, and that was something that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, yeah. And also kind of like the tying of that to queerness with the, what was it, four out of five prostitutes are lesbians <laughs> line. Right.
1: And Lori Metcalf's character is the one who says that and who's very, yeah. like, up- scared all the time. And yet, what is she doing with her life? She found the man with the worst hair in Manhattan. It's Stephen to Wright. To up with. Oh my God. Like, that man first of all like i'm just like the straight people are the ones really fucking up here because like gary is like a the spa king and he makes sleazy commercials he has a shit brown bathtub oh my god like, i had
0: that note too yeah and matching sad
1: so yeah no horrible and then lori metcalf just found the grossest man and is taking <sighs> him across manhattan and he's just like offering nothing i'm just like of course these straight people are like scared of good fashion and queer sex
2: so I them. also can we talk about that bathroom for a second because you brought up the horrible tubs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's so unbelievably eighties. So
1: bad. Yeah.
2: Um. Yeah. Uh, Terrible. But then I swear to God, it was carpeted, right? Yes. Because I wrote mm-hmm. down carpet question mark in my yep. notes, wall but to I couldn't wall. tell exactly. It was definitely a carpeted bathroom with a large spa tub, which isn't at all going to lead to regret down the line. Yeah. Um. Yeah. For the this spa is the one came where to she... have that.
0: She also takes a bath with a Polaroid of Madonna. Yes. Which
2: is Normal so horny. Normal thing to do. Exactly, Not at yeah. all a weird stalker thing. Who yeah. Um, yeah, I had no idea what this was go- about going into it. Like, I looked at your pit, like just the pitch before watching it, um, and so I didn't know that it had, like, a weird crime plot related to it, <laughs> it at does. all. It does, yeah. Or, like, an assumed identity <laughs> thing, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be, like, a single white female thing, isn't it? Like... doesn't quite go that far.
0: It doesn't quite go that far. Yeah.
1: Too wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. But also there are like plenty of. And this also this movie reminded me a lot of Party Girl as well, because I think Party Girl also has this energy of like kooky white girls in the city and they're sort of queer adjacent and they throw parties. So they're in with queer culture. There were a number of like literally trans uh, characters in this, not named, without dialogue, of course, but like, I think the person who runs the, the, uh, vintage shop is on the trans spectrum. We also see, I think, a literal trans woman in Danceteria at a certain yeah. point. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, like, we're, ha- like, I feel like that is rare in 80s movies to have, like, literally trans people and not have there be, like, a joke or some shitty bullshit, like,
0: yeah, Gary yeah. doesn't even, like, you know, recoil or anything.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. It's just like, no, normal shit.
2: Yeah, it's surprisingly accepting and liberated film. Um, uh, I have an important question for you two that I wrote in my notes. How do you use the birds? Wait, what? Oh, I thought that's the funniest line in the movie is how do you use the birds when she gets picked up? Oh,
0: right, 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 yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. When they think that she's a pro Yeah, 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 yeah. They think she's a sex worker and she has the the (laughs) doves from the magic shop. Yes. How do you use the birds?
2: Make them disappear. Oh, God. Oh, no. Don't put birds (laughs) in a hole. Don't put
1: birds in a hole.
0: No, no living creatures.
1: Yeah, no, No birds can't consent to things. So just leave them out of it.
2: Speaking of consent, don't kiss women with brain injuries who don't know who they are. um, Especially when you've been drinking. Also, don't give alcohol to someone with a brain injury who doesn't know who she is. Don't do that. I don't guess I know what the state of healthcare was at the time in the 80s. I feel like it was probably not as bad as it is now. But, like, probably take her to the ER if she has amnesia.
0: Yeah, Yeah, you'd think that would be the first stop, but, you know.
1: That would have been smart, yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, his, his but apartment. N- neither though. time. Yeah, his God. apartment with the
1: fish. T- it's so that apartment much is, like you
0: know twelve thousand dollars now.
1: Yeah, of course. And he. It's above. First of all, what looks like the best restaurant in Manhattan, Dragon Noodle. I really want to eat there, even though it doesn't exist. Secondly, it looks so much like that the real world New York house from like was it like nineteen ninety one? The one where the guy comes out as HIV positive. That's Mm -hmm. what it reminded me of a lot with the fish tank and the reals of film. I I haven't seen it. (laughs) It's a classic. But yeah, those apartments used to be... Real good. And just, like, the the energy of, like, sleeping on a mattress on the floor.
0: And, like, you know, this kind of thing, it, like, romanticizes that New York so much. Like, this is the kind of shit that made me want to move to New York when I got graduated college. And then I did move to New York when I graduated college, and that city was gone. You know, like... Erased. They were knocking those buildings down to put up 35-floor... NYU buildings. Condos Mm -hmm. in the village. Like, on... Third Street and Bowery, they're, like, right by the public theater. They, like, while I was there, they were building this massive, like, it's, it's disgusting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about New York It's my dad has a theory that, like, you always think that, like, the decade before you get to New York is the best. Like, he got there in the 60s, and he's like, the 50s was the great. And, like, somebody who gets there in the 70s is like, oh, the Chelsea Hotel. And for us, it's like, oh, Dan Satyria. Yeah. Just... And Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> Those were the, like, no, but New York is truly terrible now. And it probably started when we got there because, like, yeah, that's when we it, it.
0: it was became Trumpville. It yeah. Went,
1: yeah, it's actually my fault because I did go to NYU and gave them the money to be horrible. And also it's, like, Trumpville. Like, that's the start. Like, I feel like it's the sex in the city curve. It's like that show begins and New York's decline is very steep After that Mm -hmm. point.
2: Yes. Officially dead when Girls was made.
1: Yeah, and Girls was the final nail in the coffin. Just R.I.P.
2: R.I.P. NYC. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now the queers, they must roam roam the country. Find find places to settle, make culture. On the topics of queer culture and Madonna and (laughs) 80s music... This isn't going anywhere. I thought I'd think of a, a question. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look at my notes. What do you got? Anything got thoughts? Here's here's my question.
1: I I mean, Madonna as she is now, I think, is a complicated figure because it, she's sort of gone the Nicki Minaj route, where like she realizes that she has to change to get new audiences and like keep the old audience happy and she does get a lot of like a lot like misogynist shit but a lot of the criticisms against her are very valid especially from the queer community and she has not seemed to really acknowledge the appropriation that she took part in do we feel like that is something she should do
2: well she created mainstream what she did is she took Fringe queer culture and made it mainstream and commercially viable. And then that got piped all over the country so that other people then got the chance to connect to it. But then she profited massively off of like exploiting queer people of color's art. And that's super fucked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes.
0: And I'm sure it came from a genuine appreciation. I mean, I think she was there. I mean, she was at right. the, she was, she was a, you know, an audience member at the, you know, in the ballroom scene and stuff. And, right. you know, I'm sure it came from a genuine love of it in her heart. But like, that's not what that's not how what happened, right. you know, like
1: and, uh, none and of that got back
0: to them either. Yeah.
1: Like she didn't like some other celebrities. Like, I, I mean, th- I might be wrong about this, but I don't think that she had a big presence in the sort of like act up scene. Perhaps she did. But like, I don't, know. I don't remember her being a big activist in that
2: way i like I feel like there were a lot of like I remember a few years ago she did a speech about like h i v activism, but like that was like a few years ago later.
1: but yeah, like was she like on the ground fight like it's similar if if y'all have seen the like Andy Warhol diaries <laughs> document, which is actually like really good and kind of fucked up, but weird, it's like his relationship to Basquiat similarly feels like on the one hand, you can see it as like, oh, he's giving this like. New York artists like, all this attention. On the other hand, he's totally exploiting him and, like, aware of that fact. And it feels sort of similar.
2: So her emotional speech about HIV activism was about <laughs> her work at fighting HIV in Africa, which is nice. Okay. That is good. But no, that's actually... Huh. Hmm. Somebody should let us know on Twitter if they know about Madonna being involved in the HIV crisis and drawing attention to it. Because It's possible uh-huh. that she did. Okay, on november tenth, nineteen eighty six, Madonna. I found <laughs> Madonna. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait. Uh Madonna participated as a model in an all star AIDS benefit fashion show at Barney's in New okay. York. Okay. In nineteen eighty six, which is pretty early. So that's Yeah, yeah. That's like yeah, the height true. of her career. A few years after this ones came out eighty four.
0: I'm sure, I'm sure there's some Madonna stan out there who can give us all the information on this and yell at us for, you know, disparaging her. And that's fine.
1: Yeah. People become, I think, like, being that massive a celebrity, it's hard to critique someone because it's like, you just become, no matter how sort of, like, earnest and important you were at the beginning, at a certain point you do become, like, a caricature of yourself and it's sort of inescapable and, like, you're just... There are expectations that, like, us real people <laughs> will never have to deal with. So it's hard to critique her. But also, I do think that she sort of emboldens her fans to be horrible on the internet, which is a choice that. That's that a bad can choice. It also
2: relates to kind of queer and trans culture in this way, where, um, like, Madonna, I think, is actually, and especially the cultural backlash to Madonna in, like, the 90s and 2000s with, like, the Britney Spears ghost and all that stuff, I think is this really good example of the way that, like, American pop culture squeezes all of the value of what they view as like pretty young white women until um until they're either like broken by that pressure mm-hmm. or um manage to become like an incredibly powerful diamond. That is clearly very traumatized from that process. Um, but then they can kind of be like, fuck you, and go off and do their own thing and be happy. Hopefully be happy. I hope they're ha- the ones who get through are happy. But it's like a very extractive industry that is built around like The paparazzi cycle of like, this is the it girl, we're all obsessed with her, and we will someday destroy her. Absolutely, yeah.
1: Or she'll get too old and we'll just throw her away, which also happens. Yeah.
2: But we also see that pattern a lot of like modern trans online culture is the like trans it girl, like the girl Mm -hmm. who it will be like super cute and always like skinny, white, conventionally attractive trans girl who -hmm. will get a massive following online and be very popular. And then, um, get massively disproportionately dogpiled for sometimes very earnestly, like very frankly, actually fucking up really horribly, but never to the point where it's like, yeah, I don't think you deserved all those rape and death threats and everyone saying that you're a monster and, uh, that you should kill yourself. That's fucked up. That was not okay. But the only reason that happens is because you're put in this, like, in- into this position that our culture constantly recreates of obsession with, like, feminine youth and feminine beauty that then we feel obligated or entitled to destroy. Yeah. And I think that's also why we see like trans misogyny the ways it takes forms being very different than like trans uh trans misandry because like trans misogyny is almost is always very destructive and it's like tearing a human down and even when we see like like a trans attacks even even in media when we see like a person it's always like oh here's a trans girl with getting like her wig torn off and her dress torn and now she's laying on the ground ruined and under there she was just a man all along is the way in which we like tear apart these girls that don't deserve that and it's the same pattern where it was like oh here's this pretty little girl and we're gonna tear her apart and under there is like whatever our cultural boogeyman is like the slut, the addict, the what-have-you. And it's that same thing, just repeating again and again and again at different scales. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, That's no, that That's great, and that leads us directly to, like, how would this movie work today? Because one thing that, like, completely obviates almost every plot point in this movie is the internet and or a cell phone because right. none of these problems <laughs> would happen if any of those things existed that's true
1: although if her cell phone fell in the river
0: yeah um, sure
1: that yeah that but then he could just do an internet search he could
2: google susan he could susan. find
0: susan's twitter page
2: <laughs> yes no because susan's a manic pixie dream girl who just posts things on, right. on Lex or I guess it right, yeah. would have been Craigslist back in she the day. Has a, she has
0: Polaroids that she takes photos of with her phone to post on Instagram.
2: Yeah. No, she doesn't have a social media presence. Okay. She just has other people who post yes. her on social right, media. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yes. And she yeah. either
1: has a very, um like, name that everyone... Like, it's like Susan Smith or something. Yeah. Or, like, she deliberately is just Susan, or just, like, S. Like, yeah. she's like yeah. a gossip girl. Yeah, hashtag desperately seeking figured.
0: Susan is a yes. much more depressing movie, I think.
1: That's true. Ooh. That's true. Oh my god, yeah.
2: Mildly off topic from the pitching it as a modern story, but um, actually exactly on topic, it drives me crazy when there's people who I feel like are somewhat prominent humans on Twitter with complete nonsense usernames. <laughs> And actually, Henry, <laughs> this is kind of you because I was like, me, "Who the fuck is this person?" They have a picture that's a meme and eighty thousand followers. I have no idea who the yeah. fuck this is. It's called hating
1: yourself and being unable to look at your face or name uh, for no. a single second.
2: Yeah, I don't love that for it's you. Called it's called insecurity. Yeah. Well, now yeah, I feel bad well, for we making we fun
0: do of it. you. Don't worry. <laughs> But, but yeah. I'll see some kind of reference to a 1940s movie, and I'm like, I "Liked your post? I'm like, who the hell is that? Oh, okay, it's yeah. Henry again.
1: Oh, it's Henry. Yeah, it's always me.
2: <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, I feel like I feel like she'd be one of those people, and she'd like post selfies, but they'd always be at like angles. So everyone yes. would just be like, "Is this a catfish filter situation? Is it just she's not wearing the same me- <laughs> m- lips, like makeup? Like, none of her social media posts would be like." Definitively identifiable as any human. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. And then it would be easier
0: for it would be easier for the egg to fall into that role later on because no one's got a clear picture of who Susan even is.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess then, and then is the question: Are both they both? I'd assume that they're both explicitly trans. Then, like Susan is supposed to be like some trans it girl. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Deating though, I Dating a will, guy in a band, that that works. That, that, that tracks. That Dating a dyke in a band yes. is what would happen. Sure, yeah. I will yeah. point
1: out that Jim one becomes of the, Jen. Yes. One of the movies that I do want to do for a future episode is kind of an update of this movie, which is uh, Ingrid Goes to Hollywood.
0: Ingrid Goes West?
1: Ingrid Goes West, thank you. Ingrid Kay. Goes to Hollywood. Ingrid Goes West... Where Avery Plaza becomes obsessed with, you know, a lot of shits going down in her life. She becomes obsessed with um, Elizabeth Olsen, who's like an influencer
2: yeah. and
1: kind of like a scammer, kind of like a Caroline Calloway figure. But I think there are very similar themes. And it do- it is a movie that uses social media very well in a way that a lot of movies, I think, don't get right. Yeah. but. It is very much like she thinks that becoming this person is going to solve all her problems, and you see how that doesn't work. And then there's a very cynical, interesting twist at the end that I like. But I think that's as close. Oh, that's ahead, that's so
0: much sorry. close. That's much closer to what Ada thought this movie was going to be, where it right. has yeah, that yeah. like
1: a single white female style, yeah, uh, yeah, thing. But yeah, that is. I think it's very honest about the ways in which social media does, like even different than like seeing someone on the street and being inspired by them like seeing these very curated ideas of like what it means to be like a trans influencer or like oh like this person is like aspirational transition and then maybe getting ideas about either like i I don't know if y'all had this problem uh in the early stages of coming out but like i would always sort of use other trans people to like feel bad about my i'm like but i'll never look as cute as they do or like i'm just gonna look ugly and they look like a hot trans person and like no, i would do i, I still do that adorable. all the time i'm like I they look no the way i have no idea what you're
0: talking about henry <laughs> not
1: relatable at all i don't no, have I
0: instagram it. on my phone called ways yeah, to feel right. bad about
2: yourself <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, that's what I'm Instagram so sorry. is. Yeah, it's just like, oh, wow, like, they look so great, and all, yeah, I mean, everybody, cis people do that. Everyone as well, does
0: that but all the of time. Of course they Everyone do. Yeah, that that's not time. an explicit, yes. we, we don't have a, we don't have a, not um, at all. yeah.
2: A monopoly on yes. that one. Yeah. But there
1: is a specific thing of, like, you want to, like, sort of get past the, the awkward parts and the style evolution and the makeup evolution and just end up at, like, Hari Neff, or in my case, like, I don't, I don't know who I want to look like, but like, I don't know. So there's an, an idea of like what you can look like. And I think sometimes it can feel hard to feel like you are in competition with someone else's transition, but that is what Instagram does for better or worse. Yeah. So yeah, it's difficult.
2: I think that's part of um, kind of like part of self-actualization, right? Is like, and we see that in this movie is I want to say Roxanne, Roberta, is trying to like put on someone's aesthetic and life um, because she thinks it's going to be like the life she's always wanted. And it's not. And instead, she needs to find her own life. And I think we all often feel pressured to fit ourselves into a mold, whether that be like gender or sexuality or just like fashion. And instead, I think eventually if we want to grow into the people we are are and are kind of like meant to be is to not be in the mold and to be like this is my wild look these are the choices i'm gonna make that i'm making just because they make me feel some particular way they make me feel like a like powerful uh beautiful strong Mm. not because i'm pretending to be someone else but because these are the things that make me feel like i'm seen as me right yeah
0: right And I think that you know that Roberta's arc there is that she has to pretend to be Susan so she can figure out the way to be her. And I think that's very common for a lot of like early transition people. Like you have to like go through, and 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 you know the same thing happens to to queer people of all kinds. Like that for like that right after coming out is a very like tumultuous time where you're like trying on different identities and like finding out like who you are,
1: falling in love with like your best friend who you kind of want to be. Or, yeah, like, I feel like there's always, like, someone who you, like, aspirationally fall in love with because you're Mm -hmm. in that state. Or, like, the first person who accepts you, like, as you, who you are. You're like, oh, like, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, because I am a huge nerd, uh, I've made a four-point scale for us to rate things on. It goes from headcanon, things that are just trans because we want them to be, Major gender stuff. Lots of gender things happening, but not necessarily trans gender things happening. All but explicit. Literally, the only thing missing is the use of labels that would be appropriate for the time. And literally trans. is a literally trans story with trans elements described in the trans language of the time. What do you two think?
0: I think it's probably major gender stuff. Um, I think that, like, there's so much... Gender stuff. <laughs> um, well, we, 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 we've talked all around it, you know, like it is it's it's very much headcanon in the fact that I am projecting this onto this, you know, clearly non-trans story. But that's kind of what we do on this podcast. The the thing that the it's that. The first shot, we're in the beauty salon, we're in, like, these extremely gendered environments. The, the fashion is, is so disparate between these two things. I think that there's the character of Gary in general. Um, all of these things, it's, it's all about, it's about a gender journey. It's about finding herself in, you know, in the case of the actual film, her own gender. But I think we can read it as the, as the way, as a way of, um, Of finding yourself in a, in a new gender. At least that's what, that's what I think.
1: Yeah. Henry, what do you think? I, I agree. I would say major gender stuff. And I would also say that this movie is very much like, it makes the sort of, like, I feel like I think of the brown bathtub now as, (laughs) as Roberta's very literal egg. Maybe the whole apartment where like she needs to get out of there to become who she really is and that's like a very strong metaphor for the transness and yeah just sort of like the the ways it has of looking at how there's not just one right way to be a woman or be stylish or be feminine or be cute like it's a very like optimistic sort of like exploration of like yeah like how can like things that are usually in this culture looked down on or been like oh it's frivolous to care about clothes and makeup it's like no it's like really fucking important for a lot of people and it does like change your life to like figure out your style or figure out your makeup which is like very cool and very trans so yeah major gender
2: stuff i am gonna agree with you too i also think it's major gender stuff not just for the reasons you two said, but I think there's also a lot to be said here, too, for, like, looking all just at gender in general and gender roles. Which is clearly a theme in this, where Roberta, at the start of the film, is forced into this, like, suburban stay-at-home wife gender role. Or even, like, the reason why she's supposed to be in the city is to, like, buy a stereo for her douchey husband. hmm And she instead wants to, like, exist as something outside of that, and I think that's very cool.
0: Yeah, she gets a job. That's an important thing that happens, too. Yes. A yeah. sick
1: job with John Turturro as her boss.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I would call it... Would we call it sick? <laughs> yeah, the, the terrible listen,
1: fucking job. The terrible
0: that, magic, magic that show that she that works club
1: at. with the Lucky Strike cigarette girls, I would kill yeah. to go to that club. i Cigarette
2: sorry. girls, cool. Yeah. One so of, cool. One of my favorite dumb little jokes in this was she's listing types of cigarettes. <laughs> and then she says... Uh, what is it? Uh... Uh, regular, super unleaded. I just like the end of the list. I just thought that was really funny.
1: Also, Lori Metcalf ordering a rum and tab. I'm never ordering anything else. <laughs> when I, I'm gonna go to rum a bar, and tab. rum and tab. And when they say that tab doesn't exist anymore, I'm gonna pretend that I don't. Uh, what are you talking about? Tab? It's the drink of choice. Give me a rum <laughs> and tab this instant. Perfection.
0: Perfection. It's like the opposite of that Back to the Future scene where he asks for, is in the 50s and he asks for a tab. And like, well, you want a tab, you got to go buy something first.
1: Yep. Rum and tab. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you for listening to this episode of Totally Trans Searching for the Trans Canon.
1: We have a Patreon that can be found at patreon.com backslash trans. If you back us at $3 or more per month, you can access bonus episodes. And join our Discord, which had a burst of new members recently, if not particularly Gabby ones yet. Also, if you back us at $2 or more per month, you can access all our episodes one week early.
2: Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because we live in a cyberpunk nightmare oligopoly
1: totally trans searching for the trans canon is co-hosted by me henry jardina and you can find me on twitter at punk groucho you can also find me at henryjardina.substack.com, where i write about movies and at into more.com where i'm the editor
2: and co-hosted by me ada Rhodes, short who can be found on twitter at the ada roads that is the underscore a-d-a underscore r-h-o-d-e-s
0: and co-hosted by me, uh, Katie Coleman. You can find me on Twitter at Katie of the Lake.
2: Also, this episode was edited by Jacqueline Clyde, who can be found on Twitter at werewife. That's where underscore wife. As in where not where is my wife. Where wife?
0: Where wife.
2: Herewife. wife. <laughs> <Werewife>.
0: Here wife.
1: <laughs> Here wife. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> That was just a bridge too far for Charlie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All quotes and audio clips are being used under fair use. I think that
2: use was very fair, don't you? And our season four theme music is a mystery, only to be revealed by the passage of time and the magic of editing.
1: Until next week, keep searching.
2: I'm not going to say that last line. I don't like it anymore. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Jack. You're going to have to edit all of this. What?
0: No, no,
2: no, I got it. No, no, no. I I said the wrong word. Okay. Sorry, Jack. Nice. I hit a thought and then it fell out of my head.
0: It happens. Ouch. I'm really giving Jack a challenge today to edit around this.
2: Oh, I think she just leaves it in. Uh, No, please don't, honey. Today in Madonna history, this is not helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. fuck Madonna, sue me. No, that's, please don't. (laughs) I
0: think I took your line because Jack was on, but you should say that. That's your line.
2: Also, this episode was edited by Jacqueline Clyde, and I love you.